Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been using, you know, the clock and my live VPs and my bullpen, so kind of have a good feel for, you know, the 15 seconds and uh, exactly how much time I have and, um, you know, understanding, like, okay, the clock's at 10 now, I can hold, I can speed them up, you know, things like that. So I feel like, you know, the, the more we use it, uh, the better acclimated everybody's going to get to it, and uh, we'll be all right. That was Alec Manoa talking about, guess what? The pitch clock. It was interesting yesterday, Kevin Barker. It is Blair and Barker. Kevin Barker joining us from Dunedin, where he appears to be sitting near a bullpen or something like that. Absolutely. I'm trying to get out of the wind, and it's impossible. Yeah, you're like also- It is blowing 17 different directions. Yeah, yeah, so if you hear wind, whoever's listening to this, I apologize. I've done my best. This That's is the right. best I got. That's all right. That's all right. I will be sitting here and holding my head upside down to try and... Huh? Stay away from the wind. Anyhow, uh, Alec Manoa talking about the pitch clock yesterday. Uh, Alec Manoa had to start. The Jays lost uh, 7-0 to the Minnesota Twins in Dunedin. It was interesting, Kevin, because um, when baseball announced that it was going to the pitch clock, I mean, there, there were three pitchers of concern for the Blue Jays. Actually, two. Um, Jordan Romano and Alec Manoa, because Alec likes to rub the ball up and walk around the mound a bit. And, you know, basically, it's his show. The game starts when he wants to throw the pitch, and if he doesn't want to throw the pitch, the game isn't starting. I mean, that worked last year. It doesn't work this year necessarily. And Kevin Gossman, because of the Bach thing and because of a variety of other things. But um, and I guess he could throw Chris Bassett in there too, so what the hell, let's make it four. But the thing I found interesting about Alec Manoa yesterday, and John Schneider talked about this, Kevin, is we know that Alec Manoa is a dude who studies the game. And he was already talking about how... He said it was interesting. He said, you've got to find a balance. He said, you know, there is a respect level between major league players, between hitters and pitchers. He said, there's a respect level there. Uh, he said he essentially said, look, I'm not going to try to quick pitch everybody. Right? You know, he said, maybe I'll try to throw... You know, I might try to sneak a slider in here and there. And he said that uh, there was an, an incident yesterday with Tyler White. Not an incident, but, you know, he said Tyler White used two timeouts. He said, quote, I could have pulled a Max Scherzer on him. So, and, and of course, Max Scherzer has been experimenting with ways of kind of getting, using the pitch clock to his benefit. Interesting, I think, because in addition to all the stuff we talk about, Alec Manoa, you've talked about uh, the arm speed and his changeup, and of course they've talked about his slider, his secondary pitches. They're kind of they're kind of working on. He really is a guy that John Schneider thinks can can take advantage of the pitch clock. He's, he's smart enough that he he might be able to figure out a way to let it add to his intimidation. You know, the intimidation factor he already has is a big dude. 
Yeah, I think there's a fine line there. I, I think they're wanting him to get used to the pitch clock first. Like this is a process. This is not something he's trying to all cram into every single start in, in camp here. He's trying to have a process, which means, right, you figure out what you can do with the clock. May, you, you may see him occasionally uh, peek at the clock just to see where the clock is when he does certain things in his in his stretch and, and you know, what he wants to do to certain hitters. Uh, look, I'll say it. I, I'll continue to say it. Don't overthink it, right? This, this is that they've they've told you without telling you that it's okay, right? I, I still think this will be one of those things a month into the season we won't even know it exists, just mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. these guys are will overcome and adapt, and that's sort of what they're doing right now. Is is you know the the elite guys are able to do little things like Alec Manoa is starting to talk about the things you just mentioned, which is quick pitch if he has to, you know. Go into his stretch before the guy actually gets his feet. As soon as he raises his eyes to the pitcher, he throws to baseball. You know that's a little bit of that inside game, which the hitter's going to have to be aware of, right? It's back and forth, and if you can add a little bit of that, especially in a big moment, you're struggling, something's not working, the slider's not breaking the way you mm-hmm. want it to break. If you can add a little of that trickery to it, I think that's what John Snyder's talking about. I think that's what Alec Manoa's talking about. But again, the people that I've talked to, they want to make sure they're used to the clock. Get used to it first and when then. the heartbeat is at its highest, and then start doing the little things that you want to do to add to it to give yourself an advantage. And, and again, they're athletic enough that they're even now you're starting to not hear about it as much, which is the key here in all yeah. of this. It's just don't hear about it, and when you don't hear about it, means they're not worried about it, they're not thinking about it. Now they're wanting to go out and execute pitches, which is what you're starting to hear these big time guys talk about. The uh, Jays will have a split squad uh, playing today. They'll have two squads playing today in Dunedin, the game that you can see on Sportsnet and listen and, and catch via streaming. Uh, Kevin Gossman will uh, be matched up early, at least, against Spencer Strider, which is kind of a nice treat if you're going down to the ballpark to see Spencer Strider. The Jays' lineup for that home game is Springer, Biggio, Chapman, Jansen, Espinal, Lucas, Capra. We're going to talk about Vinny Capra in a minute, Kevin. Britton and Aiello. The other Jays squad, the split squad, is in Tampa. And they are in Tampa because of the, the hurricane damage to the Rays facility. They're playing their their home games now, their home Grapefruit League games at Tropicana Field. Kevin Kiermeyer gets to uh, go back to the place he called home for all so many years. He, Bo Bichette, Whit Merrifield, Dalton Varsho, Barger Bernard, Brantley Nunez Robertson will uh, make the very short trip over to the other, uh, I guess across the the, uh, the causeway, skyway, whatever the hell it is. Nate Pearson will also be uh, pitching in that game, he will be the pitcher of of significance. Drew Hutchison gets the start. We will be joined in a few minutes by Cal Quantrill. He will get the start for Team Canada in their first game of the World Baseball Classic on Sunday against Great Britain. Uh, Canada in a pool with Great Britain, USA, Colombia, and Mexico. Mm. Why are they using their best starting pitcher against Great Britain? A lot of people are asking. Must well, win. The answer is, if they don't win that game, they're done. They are toast. They are Absolutely. done. You can stick a fork no in question. them. Although, although, <laughs> do you see what happened yeah. today? Oh, yeah. Australia uh, beat Korea 8-7 today uh, at the World Baseball wow. Classic. Canada played an exhibition game against the Chicago Cubs yesterday. They lost 11-7. They've got a game today against the Seattle Mariners. So, Cal Quantrill will join us 
And uh, we'll also be joined later on by Dale Scott, former MLB umpire, author of The Umpire Is Out. We'll talk about the umpire's uh, role in the, the, the new rules the game is seeing. And kind of an interesting comment Jeff Passan made the other day about, look, automated balls and strikes are coming. And yep. when that happens, the home plate umpire's number one priority, other than plays at the plate, is probably going to be adjudicating the pitch clock. So we'll talk to Dale Scott about that. All right, let's talk about the Jays, Mr. Barker. You've been down in uh, you've been down in Florida. You wanted to talk about Vinny Capra today. We talked a little bit about the battle, if you want to call it that, for the 26th spot in this roster because the starting spots are all taken. Barring something unforeseen, you know that Santiago Espinal is going to be in the team. Kevin Biggio is going to be in the team. We know that. I think it basically comes down to Capra, Lucas, Otto Lopez for that final roster spot. Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of things. Who's the opening day starter? That that's intriguing. That's a conversation here. It matters. It hasn't I, I been decided yet, has like, it? I'm going to ask you. That has not it, been it, decided yet, to your understanding. Well, it may have, but it's not. They're not going to tell us, right? Okay. So uh, yeah, so that that is a big deal. I know people roll their eyes, and you're one of them, saying it's not a big deal who the opening day starter is. It is to the guys and. I think that's a, that's a talking point. Who's hitting cleanup? That's a talking point. And mention the 26 guy. And, and I just wanted to mention Vinny Capper because that's a name that's been thrown around by some coaches that I've been talking to is they like him. He's a smart dude. He can play second. He can play left. He can play right. Uh, he's a competitor, which is what they want. He's right-handed, which is, you know, you've mentioned this. You know, you're starting to get too left-handed mm-hmm. in the outfield Oddly if enough, you can yes. do that. Absolutely. So it's, you know, it. it it would be a nice mix. I'm not saying he's going to make the team. He's not on the 40 man. Chances are it'd be Otto Lopez or, you know, the the Nathan Lucas. I, I think they really like his de- defensive uh, prowess in the outfield. He can play center. He can give some dudes that matter days off. His swing is conducive to that new park at the Rogers Center. He can sit over there a couple of days. I think they like what they've seen from him when it comes to just being himself and being able to sit over there for a little while, come off the bench and give you a competitive at bat. And I will use that word in air quotes, competitive. That's the key. I was a guy that tried to do that, Jeff. That's a big deal. You've been around baseball a long time. The 26 guy has to be competitive. He got to go there and compete when it comes to his at bats. That's a huge deal. You got to be almost an elite defender and you got to compete offensively. I'm not saying get a hit all the time, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying if you need to move a runner, you have to move a runner 100% of the time, and I think those are sort of the guys, right? Otto Lopez, obviously the versatility de- defensively. He can play basically everywhere. He can hit, the, use the entire field, and he's right-handed. So I think it does come down. And Addison Barger, uh, the people that I've talked to said he's not ready. De- defensively, offensively, there's some things there that just need to be worked out. And the more time he gets at the at the minor league level to figure those things out, route running and who he is offensively, you know, kicking it to your ear is not the easiest thing. That me screams elevated fastball, some fastballs in, and some secondary pitches and fastball counts. And I don't think right now, now I'm not saying he didn't have a really good year last year, and I'm not excited about him. But, again, I get back to that predictability starting the season. To say that he could make a team and be that 26 guy, I just don't think they know what they're going to get from right. him. Well, I Which, think, listen, with Otto Lopez and a Nathan Lucas, they sort of do know what they would get yeah. from him. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, look, the plan, as far as we've been told, is that he's going to go down to AAA and be the third baseman at AAA. And that would probably make yeah. – you, you, we've seen him enough this spring – 
to understand why people are high on him. But you're right. Uh, we've talked about this. It makes no sense to bring a young guy up. I don't even want to talk about it because we, we already know. But, uh, you know, where it gets interesting for the Blue Jays, if, God forbid, Matt Chapman you know, is out for a couple of months or something like that, gets hurt and is out for a couple of months, then I guess the question becomes, can you get by with, es- yeah. with Espinal and Biggio at third base? On a full time, and they also need to know, right? This is Chappie's fighting for a yeah. deal, right? Yeah. And and if the Blue Jays and, and Matt Chapman don't come to that deal at the end of the season, you sort of need need to know what you got, sure. and can that guy fill in? And you're not Absolutely. missing, and that's what I'm saying. I just I, I just don't think the finished products there, talents there. You can't teach the talent now. It's just going down and refining it, and that's what he's going to do. But the Vinny Capper thing's interesting, just because the mental part of the game is a little escalated, I believe, than some of the other. guys. Guys that they look at, and that's very intriguing to them. Now they've had to make some roster moves and to put him on the forty man and those kind of things. And I ain't saying he's going to make the team out of spring training, right. but I do think that's a little bit of an interesting guy that they feel like they got some depth when it comes to smart. Right? This is a smart. If if I if I'm John Snyder in the seventh inning and I want a pinch runner for Kirky, and he and I think this dude could maybe steal second, and I don't have to tell him to do it. I think that's what they're trying to talk about here is they can have these guys on their bench when they do need them that can come in and help you win baseball games, which is the goal here. Let me, let me ask you about the cleanup hitter because I'm going to wave the white flag right now when it comes to Bo Bichette hitting cleanup. I mean, I think he should. should. But, you know, obviously, I, I, I think you, you've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I think it's it, – it, I mean, who knows? Injuries happen, all, all the usual caveats. We haven't sure. seen Brandon Belt yet. But, Kevin, is it possible that this team goes into the start of the season without an identifiable cleanup hitter? In other words, if it's Brandon Belt, he's a cleanup hitter as long as he's hot. If somebody else gets really hot, I don't know, Alejandro Kirk, he becomes a cleanup hitter. Uh, uh-huh. How do you see them playing this? Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, the people that I've talked to, the conversations that I have, I, you know, I think it is a revolving door. I do think you would be more apt right now because of Brandon Belt injuries, and you haven't seen him play, and you really don't know with the leg what you're going to get from him, and and you know, just offensively, can he drive in 75 to 80 runs, protecting Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I, I think. John Snyder's told you basically who the first three is and what the order is. Every time that Bo plays, he's hitting second. Every mm-hmm. time Vladdy plays, he's hitting third. We know George Springer's leading off. You know I think they've figured out who their first three is, and you want those guys just to not have to go to the, to the scorecard every single day when they come to the field and look where they're hitting. I just don't think John wants that. The cleanup spot, that's interesting. The, the question will be – you know, that predictability thing. I think with Alejandro Kirk, Jeff, they have that predictability. He is one of those guys hitting cleanup that they sort of know what they're going to get. Brandon Belt, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's Dalton Varsho. Do you have any idea what you're going to get? Right? It, it's Those are the things, and I think it gets back to your point you started this conversation with, that there's sort of that, that fact of they have to prove it. They have to earn it. Now, it's going to play the hot hand other than the first three guys. I think after that, it's the hot hand. I, just just me, yep. now I know you got four righties in a row, but Kirky, <laughs> look, Kirky basically does everything you want him to do. You sort of know what you're going to get. And you don't have to drive Kirky in, hitting cleanup. He's basically there to protect 
and use the whole field and hit with two strikes and have give you a competitive at bat. I'll be the first guy to say this. They are trying to win a championship right now without a cleanup hitter. For me, he ain't on the team. All right. So when you don't have a cleanup hitter on the team, it's it's by committee. And mm-hmm. I just think this is me. If Kirky's 100% and once he starts playing games and he's raring and ready to go and he's doing things that we saw him do last year, I would think to at least start the season, it'll probably be him and then it'll be a plethora of guys. When he ain't playing, it'll be whoever's hot, like you said. And Give John credit. He basically, it sounds like he's telling these guys, you're going to have to earn it. You're hot. You're, you're hitting way up there in the in the order, and you're going to help us win baseball games. I, I just like the conversation everybody I talk to. There's some urgency here to get off to a hot start. That's why I think you take your best four hitters, and right now Kirky's one of those people. Uh, we've got Barker's back leg line open. The numbers are 416, or the number is 416-413-3959. Questions, comments for Kevin Barker. An assignment for Kevin Barker. Kevin got an assignment yesterday. We'll talk about it uh, in a few minutes. Uh, Kevin's managed to uh, do a little digging on Hyunjin Ryu. And uh, as per our, our uh, question that was left yesterday for Kevin. So, again, if you've got a question, comment uh, for Kevin. 416-413-3959. The back leg line is open for business. And once we go to two hours, uh, we'll be utilizing it even more than we use it now. I mentioned that the World Baseball Classic starts for Canada on Sunday against Great Britain. Canada is in a pool with the United States, Colombia, and Mexico. They are playing in uh, Arizona. The World Baseball Classic itself has actually started already uh, overseas in uh, both Japan and Taiwan. Caught a little bit of the Japan-China game today. Uh, Shohei Otani hit 100 and uh, hit a ball 110 miles an hour. So there you go. I keep thinking of Joe Madden now every time I... I think about Shohei Otani after what he told us yesterday. Canada's first game Sunday is against Great Britain. It is a must-win given the tournament format. As a result, Canada's best starting pitcher will get the start. He is Cal Quantrill, and he joins us from Arizona. Cal, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. As you can maybe hear in the background, they've decided to cut some grass right around. <laughs> I'm moving. Right I'm around trying. where, where I'm... Kevin is. Um, hey, hey, Cal, you've been a part of the Canadian Junior Program, the Canadian Program, for a long time. How different is being part of the Canadian World Baseball Classic team as a pro, as a guy with some major league service time under his belt, how different is that than, you know, representing Canada f- with the national team, for example? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously this is not, this is our national team and this is the best best we can put on a field against, the you know, the best in the world. So it's a fun experience. It's, uh, it's a little different than the junior national team where so much of that is trying to, uh, you know, prepare prepare for that tournament at the end. But but also prepare players, you know, for the next level of baseball. Um, this one's kind of, uh, you know, this is it. This might be the last time some of the guys on this team play. This might be the first of many World Baseball Classics for some of the guys. But this is the best we can field, and, you know, we want to go out and represent our country well. What's the mood like in camp, just in general? You know, we look at, I mean, you've got, some, obviously, you've got some tough competition. The USA is really good. Mexico and Canada, I mean, you know, I, somebody sent me a text and said, hey, if you know, there's a game where there's going to be a fight, it's going to be Mexico and Canada. There's a long history of animosity between those teams. But basically, if you get by Great Britain, that's, that's step one, isn't it? Yeah, that's a must-win game. 
Yep. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's kill as you go in this tournament. Um, you really can't fall behind the eight ball with only two teams leaving a, a really good group like ours. So, you know, we're going to do our very best to, to win every game and, and, you know, put ourselves in a, in a good situation. So it's four days in a row for us. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited. I think the group is excited. Um, this is a maybe a younger group than we featured in the last couple. And it's really talented. You know, I've been watching some of these guys throw bullpens and played with some of them before played against a lot of them and you know i think i think we got a a really good squad Kyle, tell me your goals in this thing you know coming into spring training i'm sure you had your your deal of what you wanted to try and do and and the pitches you were trying to work on Uh, how is this going to go right you know i I know you're trying not to get hurt you want to compete for your for your baseball team but is there is there a certain goal into this thing obviously other than winning i know that's the key here but is there a certain pitch is there are you just going to go out there and let that thing eat Yep, this is compete. Uh, this isn't work on stuff time. Um, we're here to win. And we're here to advance to the second round. So I'll throw whatever I got to throw to get guys out, and uh, and then we'll move on to the next one. Um, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a goal. We got some rules, some stipulations. The tournament is provided 65 pitches max uh, this first round, but beyond that, it's uh, it's pretty much a, a regular season start for me. Did I, I was going to say? Did did the, did the um... I like the way you put that, a regular season start. Did you have to change your off-season yep. routine at all because of because of the tournament? No, nah, not too much. Um, if you think about it, this is the first uh, standard spring training we've had in a while. And right. um, if you look around spring while this is going on, you'll see that starting pitchers are, are getting into that 50-65 pitch mark, right? We're building up to be 100 pitches on April 1st. So this is kind of where I was want, wanting to be regardless if this was an option or not. So I think my arm prepared. Um, obviously, this is a more competitive environment than spring training. But uh, in terms of preparation, I think I did a good job. And, and uh, you know, I still had a couple weeks of spring before I got here. So we're in good shape. Cal, pitcher-catcher relationship, big deal in this thing? Or is it you get in your lane, I'll throw it there, and we'll compete the whole entire time? Um, I think getting to know your catchers is always important. Uh, I'm lucky enough that one of our catchers sure. is on the team with me. So um, I, I, know, I know Naylor both the nailers but i know bo real well and I pitched to him a lot uh, actually threw five ten bullpens to him this this offseason so um i have a relationship with him i have a relationship with deglin and you know we got five six days here to practice before uh our first game so make sure we get a you know a, a side in or something and, and and just everyone's familiar with each other but you know i think a lot of these guys are are, are veterans of this sport and uh i think they're ready to, to call a good game and they're prepared as well Cal, you're around a lot of guys who are coaches with major league pedigree, um, one Hall of Famer uh, as well. Do you – is there is – there, and again, I know you've been part of Baseball Canada for a long, long time, and so 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 have the coaches. But do they – do they deal with you differently now because, you know, you had a, you've had a couple of good seasons. Uh, you've had postseason starts things of that nature are do they kind of view you more now as a bit of a leader than perhaps the quote-unquote young guy that you know we kind of have to shepherd along here yeah well you know maybe unfortunately for me i actually am not the young guy on this team anymore right that's true um yeah so i guess you know i have i have lots of experience um that being said there's guys on this team with twice as much as me i think i i sit somewhere in the middle and I'm lucky enough to be in the big leagues right now, and, and I think that, you know, if somebody has questions, I'm more than happy to share. But we've got guys all over this team with big league time, whether it's in the past or, in it, or you know, for some of the guys, lots of big league time coming. So 
Um, I'm here as a resource if they want it, but I think that uh, for the most part, we're all kind of sharing ideas with each other. Um, like I said, it's, it's a talented crew, and I think you're going to hear some of these names a lot in the future, if not this year. Yeah, I was going to say, when I look at this team, it almost reminds me of some of those Canadian, some of the basketball teams we saw before Canada really burst onto the scene in the NBA. You look at guys, you know, guys like Owen Casey and guys like this. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at the next World Baseball Classic already, and I'm thinking, if everybody's healthy, knock on wood. That's going to be a really good team with a ton of major league service time. Yeah, you know what? This, it's um, it's it's uh, you're always going to have a hard time getting um, everyone to come. There's just there's injuries, there's contracts, there's situations where it's difficult. But you know, I'm proud of our guys. I think that we got a, a pretty good representation of what we have to offer at the big league level right now. And and you know, we're missing a couple of guys we love, Soroka and everything. But um, you know, guys got to do what they have to do to, for the best of their career. But yeah, I think right now this this WBC is the one we need to focus on. I think we have a talented team, but obviously looking forward. I think sky's the limit. Watching some of these 18, 19, 20 year olds play out here, and I think that Canada baseball is in a great spot. Cal, regular season, the pitch clock. You're going to use that to your advantage. We're talking about Alec Manoa doing some quick pitching and holding the baseball to try and disrupt timing. Have you thought about that? I know you're trying to compete and help Canada win a baseball game, but is there some thought regular season on how you're going to use that pitch clock to your advantage? I think I'm a relatively quick worker. I don't see it being a massive issue for me. I think that Manoa's right. There's probably ways you can use it to your advantage. Um, First things first is getting used to it. Mm-hmm. We're only throwing twice with it now, so sure. get used to the timing of it. But then I, I do think there's ways that um, we can use this to as more than just a game speed increaser. Um, you know, there's getting set early, being ready. Um, you can, you know, quick pitches, legal quick pitches, I should say. But um, yeah, it's interesting. The games have been fast. Uh, I guess I'm not opposed to it. Some some of the more veteran players will have to make an adjustment, but. You know, I feel like I was probably within the within the time limit already, so um, it hasn't been too bad. Cal, listen, we're going to let you run. We really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck. Enjoy the tournament. Enjoy the season and stay healthy, and we'll talk to you down the road. And thanks for this. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, good luck, man. Take care. It's Cal Quandrell, who will start for Canada Sunday against Great Britain. That game will be on Sportsnet. And, uh, again, Canada beats Great Britain, and they got games against... USA, Colombia, and Mexico. You know, the USA is going to be tough, but if Canada gets that first win out of the way and can, can pull another win out there, and then you get down to, of course, run differential and all this, uh, it could make could make it interesting. But the interesting thing about Team Canada, or Canada, you know, Team Canada is hockey. The interesting thing about Canada, Kevin, is that they've got so many young guys who are prospects, like, like Casey and Julian and sure. these guys. Four years down the road or whenever it is, it's they it is going to be like what we're seeing in the NBA right now where four years down the road everybody who's starting is going to be a bona fide major leaguer I guarantee you that everybody who is starting will be a bona fide major leaguer and that's that's good I mean that that's that's kind of where you want to be yeah, well, you, you want experience, obviously, in these big-time games when that heart rate is, is beating, you know, a little bit faster and you can slow everything down. Having Cal on the mound is, is, a, is yeah. a big deal. It's a must-win. Like, there, there's, no, there's make no bones about it. If they don't win that, it's, it's going to be a, a short tournament for Canada. But Cal, Cal's a – look, he's a good pitcher. He can add and subtract. He can throw to lefties. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to get some big-time hits. I think Cal's going to do his job, though. All right. Uh... 
We got an assignment for Kevin Barker yesterday on Barker's back leg line, the number 416-413-3959. The assignment given to you, Kevin, was to dig in a little into what Hyunjin Ryu's up to, whether or not he's going to factor into things by, before the end of the year. What have you been able to find out? Yeah, well, look, it's not easy. It's not easy to find out what Ryu's doing. He's very secretive about every little thing he does, his little workouts, where he's throwing. I do know since he's been here in December, he's been throwing lightly. Uh, he's been throwing flat ground up to 140 feet. He's not thrown off a mound yet. Uh, you know, I think that's the key there is he hasn't thrown off the mound. I think that's the very last thing you'll see him do, throwing up to 140 feet big time. Uh, and then it's just refining everything. You know, it's a process here, right? He'll have to do some rehab games. It does sound like the things, it's very tentative, and I use the word could in air quotes. I'm not going to come yeah. on here and say yeah. an exact day or even exact month, but I have been told that from people that are – around him every single minute of every single day that the all-star break is when he is trying to be a hundred percent and come back and try and help this team win baseball games i think the positive is he's throwing and he's throwing 140 feet that's a big deal for a guy like that who relies on mechanics and and you know extension and arm speed for him to be throwing and getting it out to 140 feet is a is a good sign the next sign i think will be whenever you do hear him throwing off a mound so oh i think we may have just lost uh we may have just lost kevin here i will uh i will let lance and kevin try to try to figure this out here um when you call the line can we play the uh, recording when you call barker's back leg line this is the recording that you will hear Hey, this is Kevin Barker from the Fan 590's Blair and Barker Show. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints about Jeff, feel free to leave it after the beep. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to get it down and get it singing. All right. That is uh, what you will hear when you call up the number 416-413-3959. Uh, so, Kevin, you did really well. I'm going to give you an A. I'm going to give you an A in that last assignment with Hyunjin Ryu. Really, really well done. Uh, so Barker gets an A for that assignment. Uh, Mr. Mark Boffo, our uh, executive producer. Um, what is today's assignment for Kevin Barker? Hey, guys. Terry Whalen calling from Air Machine, New Brunswick. I uh, just had a, a job for, for Kevin, I guess. I'm wondering how Don Mattingly is settling in. Is he being accepted by the guys? Uh, I feel like he can play a big role with the team this year. Different than when John was in the role, uh, as he came up with through the system with those core that core group. But just wondering if they realize what they have at, at their disposal. I guess. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, bye. All right. So there you go, Kevin. I think we know the answer. But you can yeah. you can you can poke around a little bit and today and and kind yeah, of find that... out. I mean, I, I I told you one thing. I noticed every time there's a video clip from this camp, I, I see Don Mattingly. It's just like whether they're playing first base or they got whether they're doing drills at first or drills at third or in the cage. It's like Don Mattingly is there. Yeah, it's it's a good question because I've already done some digging. I already have the answer for that. So that's going to be an easy conversation. I, I know he's loved. I know every player is 
asking little bits and pieces every single day from him. Uh, I know I talked to Mark Budzinski. He's in charge of the base running. Don Mattingly has been on every single field working on base running with every single one of these guys. So it's a team effort. Uh, that's a little that's a little piece of it, but we will get into it more tomorrow about what Don Mattingly brings. Uh, look, you know, walking planet Earth for about five years, he's the best hitter in baseball. To have that as your bench coach brings clout out the gate. Yeah, they needed that. Championship teams need a guy. Sounds to me like the people I've talked to, Don Mattingly is that guy. So we'll get in that more tomorrow, but he's a big deal for them, Jeff. Mr. Barker, good stuff as always. I will let you go and do some more digging. You will join us tomorrow, same time, 11 Eastern, 11 to noon Eastern, on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. See you, Kev. See you later. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, enjoy the sunshine. That's Kevin Barker. He's in Florida fighting the wind. Tomorrow we may be fighting snow here, but uh, Kevin Barker fighting the wind. At this point in time, Dale Scott is a former major league umpire. He's author of the umpire is out. Look, we got managers, coaches, hitters, pitchers, more pitchers, former. We've had everybody join us to talk about the pitch clock and the new rules in the game. I think it's time we get an umpire to give us a sense of, of what their roles and responsibility will be in baseball's new world. Dale Scott joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that we will have Grapefruit League Baseball in Sportsnet uh, today. The Jays have got split squad action. They will be at home against the Atlanta Braves. That game will be on TV on Sportsnet, and you can also catch it streaming on the website. Uh, and the Jays will also be in Tampa. We'll send their split squad to Tampa to take on the Rays at Tropicana Field. Uh, Kevin Gossman, Tim Meza, Anthony Bass, Eric Swanson scheduled the pitch in the television game. Nate Pearson is in Tampa with the uh, split squad. Springer, Bizio, Chapman, Jansen, Espinal are the uh, everyday players who will be playing in the game on TV. Again, 107 first pitch. We let off the show today playing a clip from Alec Manoa talking about the pitch clock and talking about how in addition to getting used to the pace that the pitch clock uh, has introduced to the game, how he is also, well, shall we say he's experimenting with um, ways of turning it or of using it to his advantage. We've already seen Max Scherzer uh, essentially create create a rule, <laughs> the Max Scherzer rule as a result of uh, uh, trying to, trying to, um, shall we say, live on the edges of the, of the pitch clock. And I guess it's to be expected. It's spring training. Guys are experimenting with a lot of things, working in pitches. And, of course, they're going to be working on, um, on using the pitch clock to their benefit. I've got to think 
Major League Baseball thought this would happen. Um, I also would have to think that the umpires who, I mean, let's face it, at the end of the day, yes, I, I know that the, the umpire isn't, you know, the, the umpire isn't counting down the seconds himself when the pitch clock is going, but the umpire, the home plate umpire, is responsible for sort of the tone of whatever discussion breaks out that day on the field surrounding the pitch clock. Um, and as, I, you know, as I've said in the past, if you've listened to the show, I have a lot of respect for umpires and the job they are required to do and what seems to me like the never-ending amount of stuff that gets piled in their plate. Dale Scott is a former MLB umpire. He's author of The Umpire Is Out. He's one of our favorite guests, and we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Dale, thanks so much for taking time out to uh, talk to us today. I, I, I will just ask you generally now, based on what we've seen so far, how do you think, and we'll focus on the pitch clock because I think the other rules aren't as obvious right now. How do you think it's played out? Has it been better than you thought? Has it gone the way you thought it would go? Well, good morning, Jeff, uh, and thanks again for having me. Um, you know, so far, I think it's kind of played out. Uh, I think it's been good, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it's kind of played out the way um, they thought it would. First of all, the, uh, the pitch clock and the new rules in general, but uh, have seemed to do what they were supposed to do and what they had done in the minor leagues over the last few years at, at uh, every uh, different level. And that was to improve the pace, get the pace going, which of course means that game times are going to go down. And that's, uh, that's, you know, these rules have been vetted down there before they brought them up here. Now, certainly you're going to have adjustments. Um, you're going to have um, you know, some speed bumps, uh, pardon the pun with the speed, but <laughs> you know, there's going to be things happening um, as guys to try to get used to this, uh, not just players and managers and coaches and media and fans, but umpires too. You know, this is, uh, you had said, there's a lot of things uh, piled on the umpires played now. Um, and that is, that is true. I, I, unfortunately I'm not in the loop. I'm not in those meetings uh, to, uh, hear how they told the staff, how they want, you know, how they want them to approach us or mechanically how they're, uh, you know, watching the clock and, and dealing with their, with their, uh, responsibilities but uh, overall i think it's doing what it's supposed to be doing i think it's uh, an adjustment period i think there may be some tweaking of the of the rule itself as they have played it out here in real time um and uh this is the time to do that uh, in spring training yeah and of course the you know the acid test will be playoff game right where you have to make a where, where the pitch clock is uh, you know, it, it comes into play in terms, perhaps late in the game, in terms of a run scored or a the, uh, well, the runner advanced or or whatever. But one of the things that I found kind of I, I found kind of interesting about this is, you know, we seem to be and Jeff Passan mentioned this yesterday. I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, if given the pace of technology, like I'm not saying that the automated balls and strike system is going to be here next year, but let's just let's say that there are, there's a chance that at some point we're going to have that type of a system. It seems to me that as, as Passon said, the, um, the home plate umpire's job is going to be maybe more one of adjudication, right? In other words, there's going to be no point in arguing with the home plate umpire. If the audit, if the ABS says that it's a ball and you think it's a strike, I, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what, that's what the automated <laughs> system said. I got nothing to do with it, right? It's like soccer. 
when when video assisted refereeing overturns a goal and the players charge the guy in the field and he goes guys i got i got nothing to do with this right. man it's it's a, it's a guy in a booth in you know in london doing it but it is interesting it seems to me that that the, the home plate umpire's role ultimately is going to become maybe one more of kind of adjudicating and sort of controlling the the temperature of what goes on at home plate isn't it and it already is well, yeah. part of their job, but that's going to be even a bigger part, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen we've seen this a little bit in, in replay where uh, a call will be overturned or whatever, and uh, the manager goes semi crazy, but not necessarily at the guys on the field. They're the one that called the, the way you liked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was somebody in New York that overturned it, but who's the closest person to yell at? Who's uh, who's the people that are in authority? Uh, in real time right there, and that's going to be the umpires. It's the same thing as the ABS. I mean, if that comes to a full ABS system uh, in the big leagues, the the machine, so to speak, is the one that's making the call, uh, and the umpire is just, you know, don't shoot the messenger, so to speak. Um, and that's, you know, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out when that comes. But, um, you know, you were mentioning – uh, one of these rules, or the pitch clock rule in particular, uh, comes into effect in a, in a playoff game, in a big game, and all of a sudden you're uh, you're calling a strikeout because the, the hitter wasn't ready, or you're calling a ball, or you know whatever. But you know we can, and certainly that could happen. Absolutely, that could happen. But uh, hopefully by October, mm-hmm. everybody knows uh, what's going on as far as how much time they have to get ready to hit, or how much time they have to uh, pitch a baseball. And, and, you know, in a, you know, hopefully, I'm not saying it won't happen, but hopefully it won't happen just because everybody would be, uh, on, you know, on board with what's going on because they've been doing it for the last six, seven months. Yeah. And I think maybe what, what may mitigate that. And, and I, you know, I just thought of this as I said it too, is the fact that it's, it, it seems pretty clear that there is not only universal acceptance of the, the pitch clock, but it, it seems as if people, a lot of people we talk to, fans certainly, players, they seem to like it. So if it's a rule that everybody likes or a rule that people have accepted, if if something happens in October in a playoff game, maybe the fan reaction will be less, oh, my God, you screwed my team, and it'll be more, hey, that's right. the rule. Like, we like the rule. Right. You went against a rule that we like, and, and maybe that's going to help mitigate against that sort of a, you know, an explosion that's going to be created by it. Well, yeah, and I, I agree with you there. I mean, in a big game, when something like that, it really doesn't matter what rule it is. Uh, it, uh, if, yeah. it's a, if it's a strange type play, if it's not a normal play, um, a lot of times, just because they don't understand the rule, or, or I've never seen it called, or a call, it's called rarely, uh, will there be a kind of an outburst? Like, how can a game like this magnitude end on something like that? But you know, the bottom line is, uh, you, you always hear. Uh, why don't, uh, you know, in hockey or basketball, why don't they just swallow the whistle the last few seconds and let the players decide? Well, that's all well and good until a guy, you know, makes a, a, a big-time foul and you swallow the whistle and everybody says, why did you call that? You mm-hmm. know? So, uh, uh, you know, umpires have a job to to enforce the rules the best they can and, and, and use their uh, judgment to do that. And and uh, if, if a rule has to be called, uh, if it's the pitch clock or any other rule that has to be called, in a big time point in a big time game, then you got to call it. That's that's your job to do. You know, one thing I do want to point out, Jeff, is uh, uh, any of the players right now in spring training that have been that had played in the minor leagues in the last couple of years, 
they've seen these rules. They've mm-hmm. played under these rules. So th- th- this is not just some huge, oh, my goodness, I've never heard of such a thing. This is, uh, how does this happen? Um, the, really, the only people that don't or haven't played under these rules is, is any of the guys on the big league roster that weren't at some point in the minor leagues uh, uh, in the last couple of years. So um, they'll get used to it. I, I'm sure some of them already have as far as what they have to do. But there, there's always guys that work a little bit slower or, or, or hitters that, you know, have a little bit more of a routine. And they're the ones that are going to have to, you know, gut check themselves and, 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 and conform to what's happening. But, I'm, I'm, I, you know, like any major change, there's a period of adjustment of um, some griping and this and that. But uh, I, am, I, am, I will be shocked if we're, you know, running into the first part of May of this year and there's still people just confused about the rule. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a pretty cut and dry rule. Now, there may be a difference in judgment. Uh, the, the plate umpire didn't think you started your wind-up in time or whatever, and, and, and the guy thought he did. That's, that's, that's you know, you'll, you could have that. But the actual rule is pretty cut and dry. Uh, of what you uh, your responsibilities as a hitter or, or, or a pitcher, and I think uh, I think the adjustments will be made, and I think it'll uh, be probably more smooth than we think as we go forward. Sure, and it's it's like anything else. Spring training, you know, we're at the point now where what pitchers, starting pitchers, are up around fifty pitches. So you know, maybe they're working three innings, maybe they're working three and a third innings. We haven't we haven't had sort of you know the other rules tested right the uh right. the stepping off and throwing over and all that i mean guys haven't been out there enough to 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 sort of have that brain fart that we know is going to come there is going to be that brain fart at some point guys sure. the starting pitchers sure. just haven't been out there enough for that to happen i i will ask you this through the weekend at least or through uh through monday more hitters had been called for violating the pitch clock than pitchers does that surprise you a little bit. Um, it does a little bit because I think everyone kind of thought that when the, you know it's called a pitch clock, mm-hmm. not a hitter's clock, um, and so I think a lot of people just assumed that the the major adjustments and the major uh, major problems in enforcing or you know enforcing this rule, the major major problems are going to be pitchers, and uh, but you know just just as much as pitchers, the hitter has a responsibility also, and 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 those hitters that take a little extra time or have an extra routine or uh, uh, something that they do, um, they're going to have to adjust also. And, and, and one point I want to make, uh, you, you had mentioned about the stepping off and the, mm-hmm. and the, you know, the limited throws over. So I think that's going to be actually more uh, rumbling as we move forward than the actual clock because, um, you know, that's part of pitcher's strategy at times yeah. is to step off or is to, uh, you know, uh, and, and of course, baseball would love to see with the, with the larger bases also would love to see more, uh, steal attempts, uh, would love to see more action, um, going on. And, and, but, uh, I think that may, as we go forward, I think that may be more of a grumble, um, with, you know, with players uh, and specifically pitchers than with, uh, the pitch clock. Dale, really good of you to join us today. Terrific insight as always, my friend. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Take care. That's Dale Scott, former MLB umpire, author of The Umpire Is Out. You can follow him on Twitter at Dale Scott MLB 5. And uh, that, you know, Dale's right. I think that, that um, the pitch clock is the focal point right now because of the way the game is played in spring training, because of the fact you don't have everyday players playing nine innings in spring training. Um, you won't see the full 
impact on the on-field product, I don't think, until the season until the season is well underway. Um, you know, the there's no pressure on anybody in spring training. Spring training is the time to make your mistakes. I mean, there's no penalty for it. There's no penalty for a brain fart in spring training. That changes when you get around to the regular season. But um, so far, at least, uh, I think it's been the rules changes. Certainly the pitch clock has, has, has been a huge success. I was intrigued to uh, hear Alec Manoa. We touched on this at the start of the show, talking uh, after his start yesterday about not only about figuring out how to use the pitch clock to his own benefit, but how it's kind of already started to write itself large in terms of on-field relationships between hitters and pitchers. And his point was, look, at the end of the day, we're all pros. You know, we're trying to feed our families. That's we're trying to kick the hell out of each other. But we're all trying to feed our families. And there, there, there has to be uh, an underlying respect for the game and for the opponent. And it's going to be important that pitchers and hitters are aware of this. And that's why I thought it was really, really significant to hear a dude like Alec Manoa. And let's face it, intimidation is a large part of Alec Manoa's game. To hear him say that he was aware of this, that he understood this. And, and that really gives me a lot of hope that when the season starts, we aren't going to see any, any major meltdowns. I mean, we, we, we talked with Jeff Passan. There are like nine or ten new umpires in baseball this year. They've come up from the minors. They're used to this system. The umpire is going to have to help create that on-field atmosphere, that on-field culture that makes this work. And uh, he's going to need the players' help in some form or another, too. That is it for us today. Don't forget Blue Jays Baseball 107 on Sportsnet and streaming on the website as well. Mr. Barker will be back tomorrow along with me, 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360. If you're listening via podcast, please leave a five-star review and uh, leave us some nice comments as well. Have a great day.